0: I'm actually going to kick things off today with a question. Have you ever been out and about, whether it's been at the pool, maybe the mall, maybe downtown, and all of a sudden you see someone in a spot that you don't normally see them, maybe a coworker, or a family member, and you ask them this question. You say, hey, what are you guys doing here? And it's that question that we're going to be talking about this morning, not just, hey, what are you doing here at a church service, but hey, what are you doing here on earth? Why were you created You see, I think that's a question that a lot of us wrestle with, including myself, and asking us, what is it that we were created for? If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Dave. I'm the campus pastor here at our 57th Street campus, and I am truly honored and blessed to be your campus pastor. I'm born and raised right here in Sioux Falls. My wife and I have been married for just over eight years. I know. I outkicked my coverage. I outdid myself. You don't have to tell me after the service. I am very well aware of that. My wife and I, we've got two kids. Our son Ethan turns five this week, and our daughter Emma is two. And I absolutely love and I mean love, being a husband and a father. Now, outside of being a husband and a dad in my time here at the church, I enjoy physical activity, whether that's hiking or biking or sports, whatever the case may be. My wife would tell you that if we go on vacation and there's a beach involved, I'll get for about 37 seconds of beach time just laying there, and then it's time for me to go do something else on vacation. I was an exercise science major in college, and so I eat pretty healthy, but I do enjoy spurging on the occasional piece of taffy every now and then. In fact, on our wedding day, I had one request of my wife. She planned everything. I had one request at our reception. I requested Laffy Taffy at all the tables at our reception, and she was kind enough to grant me that one request. And so we have a great time together. You know, my father's been in ministry for over 30 years, whether that's been on staff at nonprofits or churches. And I can tell you growing up, I did not see myself being on staff at a church, but obviously God had some different plans. You know I, I really wish I could tell you that growing up that Jesus was always a priority in my life, but again, that is not always true. If you would have asked me this question of Dave, why were you created when I was in high school? I probably would have answered you talking about sports, whether it was soccer, whether it was baseball, whether it was football, sports were my life, and pretty much my God, if I'm being honest with you, and specifically the sport of basketball. I'll be honest, I thought I was going to go to the NBA, make millions of dollars, but as I come to find out, the NBA scouts are not impressed with the seven-inch vertical, and so the dreams were dashed, unfortunately. But I'll never forget a night on my junior year. We had just won, and our basketball team had just won the district championship game. We're going on the next week to play in the regional championship. Should we'll be at an all-time high. We're about to go out as a team to celebrate and go out to eat together. And as we're about to leave, something in my gut just doesn't feel right. And I, and I can't explain it, but I just tell a couple guys, hey, you know, instead of going out, I'm actually just going to go back home. And I'll never forget that night. I get home, and our house is pitch black. No one else is home at the time. I unlock our front door, and I turn on the light to our entryway, and I set my gym bag down on the entryway. I walk downstairs, and I turn the light on in our bathroom, and I put my hands on both sides of the sink in our bathroom, and I look up, and I've got tears just streaming down my face. You see, at a moment in my life, when I should have been at this all-time emotional high, I was at a complete low. Why? I had forgotten why I was created. I was putting my emphasis into sports instead of the savior that had created me, and I had missed the mark on why I was creating. You see, I've always wanted to have an impact with my life, and prior to coming on staff at a church, I actually spent some time in public policy. I was a registered lobbyist and peer for three years. I actually helped run a statewide campaign back in 2006, and it was during this time I was actually offered a position at a church. And I turned it down saying, you know, I appreciate the offer. But I really want to have an impact, and I believe that that's done through laws. You see, how I thought back then was you pass a law, people obey the laws, like speed limits, and you change a culture. But what I quickly realized was you don't change people that way. You change people at the heart level. And ultimately, at the end of the day, only God can do that. Only God can change your heart. Only God can change your life. I can't do that, nor any law that is passed can do that. So that's a little bit about me, but now back to you and the question we're here to talk about today. Why were you created? Maybe this is a question that you've thought about a lot before. Maybe you've wrestled with it, or maybe you've never given it much thought. But why are you here? You see, if we're going to answer that question of why something is created, you need to go to the directions on why something is created. And not just for us, but even for like the products in our home. I did a little research this week on good old Google, the trusty resource, and went online and I looked up some of the instructions and directions that are on some of the products that were in our home. And I thought some of these were pretty humorous to share. And so I thought I'd share a couple with you this morning. Okay, you ready to have your mind blown? On a bar of soap, okay, here were the directions on a bar of soap. It says, use like regular soap. Amazing, huh? Who would have thought you use a bar of soap like regular soap? Well thank God for those directions. On a bottle of sleeping pills, a sleep aid, it says this. It says, warning, it may cause drowsiness. I, I would sure hope so if that's what you're purchasing. On a child's Superman costume, it said this. Warning, this garment does not enable you to fly. Good to know, um son, can you get off the roof for dad? I'd appreciate that. Thanks so much. On a box of aspirin. Ready? Mind-blowing directions. Don't take if you're allergic to aspirin. (laughs) And last but not least, my my favorite, if you're a ketchup fan, no joke, this was on a bottle of ketchup one time. Here's the mind-blowing directions. Put on food. (laughs) Opposed to the cat, the couch, your arm. I'm not sure how else you use that. So those are some humorous examples of some products in our home. But what about for you and I? What are the directions that we need to go to to find out why we were created? For us, we need to go back to God's Word. And what does God's Word say about us? In Genesis chapter 1, you have the creation story. And even if today is your first time ever stepping foot in a church, you've probably heard some form of this story before. God creates the heavens and the earth, the sky, the sea, the animals, the plants, and everything else. And we come to verse 28. And we have the first four words that God ever says to humans. And He says these four words. He says, Be fruitful and multiply. Now, guys, before you get all excited, thinking about where I'm going to go for the next 20 minutes, no, we're not talking about sex. I knew some of the guys were like, I knew it. That's exactly why I was created. I knew it, honey. I told you. <laughs> we're going to look throughout scripture and where the Bible talks about bearing fruit or being fruitful. Because when the Bible refers to bearing fruit, it's not in a uh, reference to sex, it's actually in a response to a close relationship with Jesus. So if we're supposed to bear fruit, how do you do that? And what does it look like? You see, I've observed that there are really four types of people in the world in my time in ministry. They fall into four categories. There's people that divide, there's people that subtract, there's people that add, and then there's people that multiply. And I believe that there's one of those categories that God has specifically designed each and every one of us to be. So let's walk through the four together. The question is, which one are you? The first category is the people who divide. Very simply, these are, these are people who are angry. You know, these are people who are hurting. If you've heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people. This is the type of person that if you've got a fly on your arm, they're going to use a sledgehammer to try and take it off. It's a guy, Bob, who has a problem with Sue and with Mary and with Tom and with Sam. The common theme is that Bob is the problem in all those relationships. The next category are the people who subtract. Very simply, these are people who are negative. They just see the worst in every situation. It's the phrase, misery loves company. They're throwing a pity party, and they're giving you an invite to come and join them. You know, it's like the story of the, the son and the dad. They're sitting there talking, and the son goes, um, uh, Dad, I, uh, I think I flunked my math test. And the father responds back, Son, that is a negative statement. You need to think more positive. And he looks up and says, Dad, I'm positive I flunked my math test. You see, people who are negative need to take from other people. Why? Because when you don't get something from God, you need to get it from somewhere else, and it's usually the relationships around you. The third group of people are the people who add. Very simply, these are people who are positive. They add value. They enhance relationships. They they smile. They compliment, and they listen very well. And unfortunately, I think, as Christians, we stop here. Because this is where you're a nice person— Yes, it's important to smile. Yes, it's important to compliment people. And yes, we should always strive to become better listeners. But I believe that God has something more in store for us than just adding. You see, in that verse in Genesis, God did not say be fruitful and subtract or be fruitful and add. He said be fruitful and multiply. And it's multiply we're going to focus our attention on today. You see, people who multiply understand why they were created. They understand that they have gifts and talents that God has given them to be used for His glory. They don't just enhance relationships, they literally help influence eternity in other people's lives. In Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable of the talents. And in this parable, God responds favorably to those who multiply the talents that God has given them for the kingdom. So, if we know that we're supposed to do more than just add, how do you become a multiplier? You see, my vision is that us who are here as a part of the 57th Street campus would take ownership of the gifts and talents that God has given each and every one of us, and we would take that and we would multiply to bear fruit for God's glory. And I think you do this in two ways. The first thing you do is you model Jesus. Everyone say that with me. Model Jesus. You become like Christ by spending time with Christ. Very simply, it's a phrase, you become like the people you hang around. If you've ever had that case where you say something or do something and someone goes, that sounds just like your mother, or just like your father, or just like your coworker, whoever that is, why? Because you spent time with that person. Now, if you're a parent in here, you've probably had that situation come where your child either says something or they do something and it's a little bit embarrassing to you. And the reason it's embarrassing is because you know they just repeated something you said or do at home that you don't want to have done in public. It's like the time we went shopping with our kids we're in the middle of a department store and God bless my son in the middle of the store he yells out oh that fart reeks <laughs> and you're completely embarrassed because you know that phrase was just said by your wife to you the previous week <laughs> now my wife is completely embarrassed that I would reference a word fart from stage and much less a personal story from our family but I told her I said when you have a good story it's kind of like a fart you just got to let it out okay you just got to <laughs> let it go And I can't believe they let me get away with this kind of stuff from stage, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. You know, it's the phrase that example isn't just the main thing. It really is the only thing. Matthew chapter 7 says, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Very simply, good fruit comes through a relationship with Jesus. It comes through spending time with him. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. You're probably familiar with these. Things like love, joy, peace, patience. So here's my question for you. Are you a joy-filled person? In times of stress, are you a patient person? So you don't just magically become more patient. No, you become like Christ. And when you become like Christ, you become a more patient person with those around you. So we know we're supposed to model our lives after Jesus, but what does this look like practically? Which brings us to our second point. I believe that we're supposed to minister like Jesus. Everyone say that with me. Minister like Jesus. This is how you multiply. In Mark chapter 10, we come to verse 45 and it says this. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You see, Jesus is the example that we're to follow. And he came not to be served, but to serve others. And now as Christians, the ball is always in our court to serve those around us with the gifts and talents that God has given us. You know, it was interesting, we just moved a couple weeks ago. A couple months ago now. And if you've ever moved, you know that it is quite the process of packing boxes, unpacking boxes, getting the new place ready to go. And it was interesting, just during this time, we weren't able to spend as much time with our kids as we would have liked to, just because there's just so much time and effort that goes into getting the new place ready. Two days after we moved into our new house, our son comes up to my wife with this. He has a quarter in his hand. And he says, Mommy, I have something for you. And he puts it in her hand, and she says, Well, thanks, buddy, but what is this for? And I want you to catch his response. He says, Mommy, I want you to have this money because I don't want you to work so much. You see, he thought all the time we were spending was just at work and didn't quite grab the concept of what we were doing was was moving. You know, it was interesting though, we just moved and he didn't ask for more square footage. He didn't ask for more toys or a nicer car. He wanted more time with mom and dad. And I think that phrase represents a lot of people that are in our lives, that what they are wanting is just our time to use the gifts and talents that we have to be able to serve other people and bless other people. In Matthew chapter 28, chapter uh, verse 18 it says this, it says Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So did you catch that? Jesus just told us I have all authority in heaven and on earth to do basically whatever I want. I am God. I'll do whatever I want. And what does he do? He tells a group of men to really do two things. He tells them to go and to make. Now, the the term go is an action term, okay? You don't sit on your butt and go. It doesn't work out that way. Going forces you, literally propels you to do something. And when you model your life after Jesus, it literally propels you to do something with that, where you can now minister like Jesus. See, making disciples is not complicated. It does take time. And by us investing in serving others and allowing them to model Jesus, that's how you do that. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this: It says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So who's responsible for building up the body of Christ? We are, as the people. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you, and it's me. Each and every one of us, it is our responsibility as the body of Christ to build up the church. Because you have gifts and talents that I don't have and that other people don't have, that God has given you now that we can work together and we can build up the body as a team. It's not just our lead pastor's responsibility or Adam's responsibility to do that. We are all responsible for helping to equip the body of Christ. You know, there's a story of a guy, he's walking down the city, and he comes to a massive construction project, taking up an entire city block. And he looks down the sidewalk, and he can see that there's three guys that are along the sidewalk that are working. And he walks up to the first guy and says, sir, what are you doing? The gentleman looks up and says, I'm laying bricks. And he goes back to work. He walks a little farther down the sidewalk and asks the second man, sir, what is it that you're doing? The second gentleman looks up and says, I'm building a wall, and looks back down and continues to work. He walks up to the third man. says, sir, what are you doing? The man puts his equipment down, takes a step back and looks at the project and says, I'm building the most beautiful cathedral that anyone has ever seen that will reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, I hope we all understand in here what we get to be a part of when we use the gifts and talents that God has given us. We, not just me, you, you, and every single one of us, we get to be a part of building a foundation for other people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There's already hundreds of people at Embrace that serve every single week. And we're asking you to come and join us and be a part of what God is doing at Embrace. You know, let me speak to those who are just currently serving. Whether it's in eKids, First Impressions, Production, whatever the case may be, I hope you understand you're not just laying bricks. You're not... Just building a wall. You're not just shaking a hand at a door. You're not just investing into a child. You're not just running lights and sound. You're not just a part of the prayer team or leading a small group. You're literally building a spiritual foundation that is helping reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So, for the 57th Street campus, here is my vision of what I believe God has called us to that we would be a campus, that we would model Jesus. And we would allow that to propel us forward to now minister like Jesus. And we would serve others not just to have a positive impact, but literally to multiply our impact for eternity. An impact that we've seen on multiple lives here at Embrace. One is the Nelson family. I mentioned them a couple weeks ago. They came about two years ago to Embrace and had one conversation after a service that changed everything for them. They kept coming back week after week after week, and God was slowly doing a work on their hearts— Eventually decided that he was leading them to be foster parents. And now they've actually joined our E-Kids team and are now, just in the past weeks, have been serving back and our E-Kids, blessing our kids back there as well. It's like the stories I've had of people who have left the service. They've gone out to the parking lot, gotten to their car, and they've turned around in the parking lot and have come back into the building to come and tell me this is the friendliest church that they've ever been a part of. Not that it was the friendliest pastor they had ever met. It was the friendliest church. It was the people that were friendly. It was the people that were welcoming. It's like the letter we got from someone on our E-Kids team that said this. When I started college in Sioux Falls, one of my biggest concerns was getting connected to a church, developing a feeling of community outside of my college campus. The welcoming arms and overwhelming love shown to me by the E-Kids staff, volunteers, and children helped me find what I was looking for. Embrace is a home to me for so many reasons— but getting to share God's love with these little ones in E-Kids is definitely a highlight of my Sunday. So, what now? Where do, we, where do we go from here? As you came in, you each would have received a bullet, and I'd encourage you to pick it up for just a moment, because I believe that there are two key action steps that we can potentially take in moving forward. The first is, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is your first step. Because you can't model Christ unless you're following Christ. And to commit your life to having Jesus as your Lord and Savior and saying, Jesus, I need your help. I'm not modeling you right now. I need your help in doing that. The second step that I believe is applicable to many of us in here is that we've made a decision to follow Christ, and now that decision needs to propel us to minister like Christ. To join a team and start serving somewhere with the gifts and talents that we all have. Maybe that's as uh, first impressions shaking a hand. Maybe that's in E-Kids, investing into the kids that are back in our E-Kids area, helping run lights and sound for production for a service or getting the facility ready during the week. I don't know the gifts and talents that you have. All I know is that we miss out when you don't use the talents that God has given you to multiply for the kingdom. With either of those steps, I would encourage you to fill up this connection card. Put your information on there. If it's a decision to follow Christ, mark that. We have some resources that we want to give you. For those of you who are saying, okay, it's time for me to take a step in. It's time for me to take that step forward. Fill up that card, mark that you're interested in serving, and maybe you know exactly what area you want to be a part of. Maybe you know it's production, or you know it's a part of Kids, or a part of First Impressions, or doing administrative stuff during the week. I-, I don't know the gifts and talents that you have, but you literally have the opportunity. It is literally right in your hand to allow God to use you to multiply for his kingdom. You see, every person who's sitting here right now, we all have something in common, including myself. We've all been a guest at Embrace at some point. Maybe today is your first time, and maybe you're a guest here for the first time. Maybe you were a guest with us five months ago or five years ago. But either way, as a guest, you have been served by other people, whether it's through a shaking of a hand, a cup of coffee, helping run lights or sound, someone watching your kids and investing into your children. Now is your opportunity now to pay it forward just like the Nelsons did, and investing now into the next generation of people that we can continue to multiply for. See, my encouragement to you is to come and join us. Don't just sit and take, but partake. Literally, join us in what God is doing in reaching the next person for Christ. To answer the question, why were you created? I believe you were created to have a huge impact with your life. I really believe God created you for something great. And that's not just to add. God created you to multiply, and to have an eternal impact. And there's no greater way to have an eternal impact than to model Jesus and to let that propel you forward to minister like Jesus and serving others to reach people for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you've given us and the example that you've given us. We pray that each and every one of us Father, that we can follow the example that you've done for us, that you did not come to be served, you came to serve. I pray that we can each take time this week, Father, to spend time getting to know you better and allowing that to change our hearts, to change our lives, to propel us forward, Father, to use the gifts and talents that you've had. Father, we know that you've created each person in here for something great. And I pray that every person in here would realize and understand that they have great things in store for their life, but we need to model you and we need to minister like you. And Father, we need to continue to point people to you.